0: Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Lydia. So thankful that you chose to worship with us here this morning. Um, let me just say this. Uh, last couple weeks ago, we made an appeal for some children's workers and those who could help us out in preschool ministry, and you responded so well. We appreciate you doing that. I know it was a great encouragement to the workers down there. We just have the, the great opportunity to minister uh, to what we believe is, uh, on average, 140 kids a week, and that is a big task. And so I want to thank you for, for doing that. And if there's others that would would like to be a part of that, just see Corby or Kristen Walker, uh, we sure would appreciate that. Well, uh, this past week, we lost a dear member in Miss Jerry Patterson. Miss Jerry Patterson, before COVID, would be seen here every Sunday. And uh, she came, she raised her family here, she joined our church, listen to this, in March of 1950. Seventy-one and a half years as a member here at this church, and she served very faithfully in numerous capacities. Uh, She and her husband, Roscoe, he passed away seven years ago, were the very first couple to be married in this church. And uh, so this week, we, we lost uh, someone that will be dearly, dearly missed. And so I encourage you to pray for the family uh, also for this. We do, are so thankful for her and all the many memories we have of her and, of course, Roscoe. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We continue the series, Rooted. And, of course, we're on a 70-day journey of growing deep. This is week 6. The idea of connecting with others. And today we're talking about rooted in connection. Now, when it comes to connection, we're big on that around here at this church. We believe that God has called us to be interconnected and connected to one another. Now, when you think about that, you got to understand that we believe here at PCC that God is orchestrating something great here. He's putting together a group of people to have an influence and an impact not only in this community but also throughout the world, but not only in that capacity. The impact where it affects you as individuals and also affects your family. So look at the introduction here. The Holy Spirit's role in your life... Is to teach you, convict you, and guide you to become a follower of Jesus. He does this by placing you in a local church with other followers of Jesus that help you become rooted. That is the idea of being spiritually mature in His Word and His best for your life. His expectation is that you become rooted and then you share your life with others that they may become rooted. It's one of those things where we're pouring into one another. We're investing in one another. And that's what we find all through Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 4, if you look here in verse 11, he says this is really where it starts. And it says, He Himself, speaking of God, actually, it's speaking of Jesus, and He Himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. In this passage, Paul lists five kinds of ministers which He's given, which has been given by Christ to the church. The first three were itinerant ministers who who preached wherever they found opportunity. They weren't necessarily tied to a local church, but they would be the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists. Now, there were pastors and teachers, however, that were attached to a local congregation just like we see around us even now. But when he says he gave, it means he gave these gifts on the decision of his will, not on the mer- of the recipients. It's not that pastors or teachers or apostles or prophets are anything special apart from anything else. It's the fact that God has placed people in the midst of others to equip them in such a way that they can become spiritually mature. So your pastors here at PCC, we are given the responsibility to help you become more spiritually mature in your faith, and then in return, you do the same for others. So let's look qu- quickly at this, the task of the rooted. First of all, it's found in the idea of equipping. And that word means to add what is needed to be complete or it is also the idea of becoming useful. So look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. He says, These positions have been given for the equipping or the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. The word equipping here is someone who to say, okay, what does that literally mean? It means to mend or rep- repair. It literally means to set something straight that has been broken. It means to bring to a point of usefulness or it means to meet an intended purpose. The primary tool that God uses, that he uses to bring that equipping is his word. Apart from his word, we have nothing. It's one of those things where when you begin to understand what the church is built upon, you've got to understand that Christ is the chief cornerstone, and we found that out a couple of weeks ago. But the point is that we are also built on the word of God. And so, it's important. So, the question is this. Are you equipped to carry out what God has called you to do? So, you're sitting here today. You showed up here at this church. Many of you are members of this church. Many of you said, this is where God has placed me. So, my question to you is this. Why are you here? What's the purpose of you being a part of this local church? It is to become connected even interconnected with one another in such a way that you can become equipped that you can also help equip others. Now, the word work here implies occupation, which begs the question, what is your occupation in ministry? Now, many of you, when you hear that term, you probably are thinking, well, that's your job. We're paying you to do that, right? Well, it goes further than that. We're all called to be ministers. It's very clear in scripture. Every one of us are called to this. Jesus said, speaking to himself, he said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Ministry is the idea that all of those who are followers of Jesus, that that is our occupation. We have a ministry, an occupation, when it comes to the spiritual maturity of not only ourselves, but also that of others. But it doesn't end there. The task of rooted is not only equipping, but edifying. It literally means to strengthen by instruction. It's where you're imparted something in such a way that through the instruction of what you're hearing or the knowledge of what you're hearing, you're being instructed. Now, if you're part of a connect group through the series, which I hope you are, this week we focused on the role of the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit when it comes to orchestrating all that God desires to do in the church? Well, first of all, God brought you to a relationship with, with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit didn't just stop there. He began to bring you to a point of being equipped and being edified. And he does that through the local church. So, the Holy Spirit is not just working in individual lives. He's bringing those individuals together for the purpose of of equipping and edifying. So, look at verse 12. He says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the word edifying means that which is progressing. That is an addition, It's much like the idea of a tree and what we're using through this series, growing a root system. And that's so important. How many of you know that trees will fall without a root system? Uh, They fall. They can't stand on their own. There's tragedy headed for a tree that doesn't have a good root system. It can't get down to the nutrients that it needs to survive. A storm comes, it just blows over. It's on its own. We should be building a root system here at our church, but not just in our church, in our homes. Not just in our homes, but in us as individuals. I want to show you a picture of this. I've shown this to you before and we've talked about this. These are the sequoia trees, and many of you probably have seen. I've met some people here from California, they probably have seen this. This is beautiful. If you've never been, it's a great place to go. And uh, if you've ever seen Star Wars, you remember the Ewoks, you remember all that. That's where all that took place. But anyway, uh, what you have here is those sequoias. Now, what you may be amazed to know, which I've shared this with you many times, but I think it's a beautiful picture, these trees can get up to 300 feet tall, 25 feet in diameter. What will shock you is the fact that most of the root systems are only 12 feet deep. 12 feet deep. So what can support a 500-ton tree when a root system is only 12 feet deep. Well, the thing you've got to understand is they can only grow in groves. Can you guess why? Because the root systems have to be interconnected. They have to connect with one another. That's the only way they exist. They're dependent solely on the other trees around them. And that's a beautiful picture of what it means to be equipped, to be edified for a growing root system, to, for not only the nutrients, but the fact that we need one another in this whole process. It's a beautiful picture that we see here. And if it wasn't for the fact that those root systems overlap, there would be no survival. There would be no community in which God intends. And that's the same picture of the, the church also. Next, not only do we see the task of the rooted, but now Paul is switching gears and he's basically saying, okay, here's the targets. Here's what he's after. When it comes to these things, what is God up to when it comes to us as individuals, when it comes to us as a church, what does he hope to see? What is the desired destination So look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Till we all come, he's talking about there's the edifying and the equipping. What's the purpose of it? Till we all come, who's he talking about? The body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now notice the phrase, we will, or we all. Are are you included in the phrase, we all? Yes, we all. It's not just five pastors or six pastors. I'm always leaving one of us out. But anyway, it's not just us. It's the fact that we all have been called to this process. All of us are necessary, and all of us are called to focus on the goal, to focus on the target. We must learn to count on each other, to encourage one another. And then the phrase, come to, literally means to attain, which implies one traveling or reaching a desired destination. I want you to think about this. God has a goal for your life. So many times we hear it's a purpose. But y'all, it's not just a purpose. A purpose to me is these things that we're accomplishing. There's an intended outcome that he has for your life. But not just for you for our church family. There's an intended outcome. There's something that he began here all the way back to 1949 when this church began. All the way back, and there's a couple of you in here that can remember those early days, but it's one of those things in which God has brought together the teams of people, the pastors, the deacons, the the connect leaders, the Sunday school teachers, whatever era you came through. He's been working on something to bring about something in which we all can participate in edifying and building and equipping the local church for the purpose that each one of us can reach a desired destination, what he desires for us. So, Paul gives us four desired destinations, four desired outcomes, or four targets. The first is the unity of the faith. He's talking about oneness. Notice he's not, he doesn't say the, the unity of the political posture in our nation. Doesn't say that, does he? We probably have a lot of opinions about that, matter of fact. But I hope there's, no, anyway, but he's not talking about that. We're not called to rally around a a political party, even though there's things out there that we may have strong opinions about. We're not called to that. We're called to what? The unity of the faith. That supersedes anything, any system this world can put together any position of power, whatever it may be, there is something that God has called us to, and it is higher than any system of this world. It's the unity of faith. He's speaking of oneness. The unity of faith is a shared understanding in the church of the great truths of revealed, that are revealed in Scripture. No, no, no growth towards wholeness and maturity can occur without the unity of faith. And that would start with a correct understanding of what is truth. What is truth? The mess that we're in as a nation right now is because we don't know what truth is anymore. We, we basically have kicked it to the curb. We, be, we basically say, yeah, the truth that we once held and was so important, we, we're saying, nah, it, there's many versions of that which has created a void and a chasm of confusion. And we can see it even in our younger generations. And we're seeing it played out. But he's talking about the unity of the faith. Second of all, he's talking about the knowledge of the Son of God. And I'll put the word there, accurate. There's a, a twofold, an accurate view of God and a deeper, un, deeper, more intimate and experiential knowledge of God. You see, a lot of people have a knowledge of God. There's not many people out there that doesn't know something about an idea of God. But the problem is so many times, maybe they don't have an accurate view of who God is. The only way we have an accurate view of God is what he's revealed to us in his word. That's what we have. That's what we build our lives upon. And so when it comes to this, we got to understand it's got to be accurate. I hear so many people today say, well... You know, something, I read God's truth, and, uh, and that may be true for you, but I'm not so sure I agree with that. I heard of a professor at a divinity school one time. The reason I know this is because one of our students said this, and they were basically talking about how Paul was talking about how, how in Romans chapter 1, he was talking about something that is big in our world today, and, and the professor literally said this. Well, that's where I don't agree with Paul. I've said this before, but I didn't know that was an option. (laughs) It's so sad, but that's what we find so many times is people who just say, yeah, but I'm not so sure I agree with this. We're called to put our lives on this. We're called to have an accurate view of this, rightly dividing the Word of God. That's what it's all about. So he's talking about the accurate knowledge of God. A third desired destination is a perfect man or a perfect person, which we know that does not exist. But he's talking about maturity here. He's talking about the fact that we come to spiritual maturity. It literally means the goal for which is intended. It's moving toward maturity in our view of who God is, in our understanding of God, in our understanding of God's plan for us, and also what it means to surrender our lives to God. There must be this idea that we're moving towards spiritual maturity. That's what he's calling us to. And next, we have, fourthly, we have the fullness of Christ. He's basically saying, okay, here's the desired outcome. Here's the desired target that we, we become complete. The idea of becoming complete. It's the idea of complete conformity to the image of Christ. The Bible teacher, Howard Hendricks, it's right here on the screen. He says, the Bible was not written to satisfy our curiosity, but to make you or make us conform to Christ's image. Not to make you a smarter sinner, but to make you like the Savior. Not to fill your head with a collection of biblical facts, but to transform your life. And that's what we mean by this idea of growing deeper, becoming rooted in what God's called us to. So the body of Christ, when you really think about it, is to radiate the beauty of Christ and the fullness of Christ to a spiritually dead world by walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. That is a desired outcome that God desires in and through our lives as individuals and as a church. Not only do we see the target But also the testimony of the rooted. What does it mean to be spiritually mature? What does it look like? Well, Paul tells us right here in Ephesians chapter 4. First of all, follows correct doctrine. We follow God's Word correctly. We don't try to make it say what we want it to say. We don't look and pick and choose. We take it as God's complete word. Look at what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 14. He says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. The idea of tossed to and fro means to be thrown into confusion. How many of you agree that we live in a very confused world today? I mean, you can't you can't see anything. You can't look at anything. You can't hear anything. My, at least the first thing that comes to my mind is confusion. There is confusion. Where did the confusion come from? It came from a void of truth, the truth that we've walked away from. It, it is. It is confusion. Rest in the void of truth. And we see that. It describes one of unstable opinion who fluctuates or frequently changes the way he or she thinks or believes depending on the latest fad or latest teaching. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people who've gone that way. It's a picture of a small sailboat being blown in one direction, then another direction by a wind, that wind being the culture that keeps changing direction. How many of you, and i I actually was talking to someone by email this week. How many of you, when you look at the last decade, how many of you are blown away by how much the culture has moved away from God's truth? Just in a decade, we've seen this, but you know something, it didn't just happen overnight. It wasn't just a decade. We've seen a whole erosion that began years, many years later. That began to erode at it until finally we just saw what's become the fruit of what it means when you walk away from truth. And we're seeing it. And it's so sad. And I don't know about you, but there's many of you I've talked about. And, and I'm concerned about our children. I'm concerned about our grandchildren. I'm concerned about what kind of world they're going to live in and our prayer. And if our children ever needed prayers now, that they will stand up on the truth of God's word and not fold with where the culture is going. But we've got to bring correct doctrine. You see, here he talks about carried about. It literally means to be moved from one place to another, from one place to another, and we're seeing that. So what is is good doctrine? It is truth. It's something that you've settled on that you know that you can build your life on. It is intended to ground you when the storms come. When the storms come. Next, the testimony of the rooted also means not easily and comfortably deceived. You may say, well, why did you word it that way? Well, first of all, I think it's easy to become deceived. If you don't know truth, you're going you're gonna to be deceived. But not only that, sometimes we, we comfortably move into the direction of deception. Sometimes we want to be led astray, and we don't sit there and say, man, I sure would like to be deceived today, but sometimes it's in in our back of our minds, it's almost like it would be easier to be that way, to go along with the flow of where the culture's going. In Ephesians chapter 4, look at the second part there. He says, by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, The the terminology here literally means this. They lie and wait for the perfect time to deceive. They're looking for that open opportunity to deceive. Now think about all the areas and ways we're deceived now in our culture. Did you ever think we could be deceived to the degree we're being deceived today? Or people are being deceived today? I mean, I I look at it and it it blows my mind. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it makes me angry. I'm sure you've been there. I've talked to some of you. But one thing that God is doing in my own heart right now, I've gone through the anger, now I'm starting to have complete compassion for those who are under the deception that's out there now. We should have a compassion for those who are falling into, into deception. And some of their deceptions at the core of how God made them, the core of that, We see it so plainly. Then he says the trickery of men. It literally refers refers to those who intentionally fraud, those who intentionally bring deception in a spiritual sense. And let me just say this. For those of us who are parents, especially us men, let me just tell you this, and, and I've said this many times, but our families are counting on us not to be deceived. They need us not to be deceived. They need us to know the truth and lead our families in such a way. Thirdly, the testimony of the rooted is that they confronts lovingly. Look at what he says in verse 15. He says, but speaking the truth, how? In love, in love. That goes back to the whole idea that we we should have a compassion for those who are in deception. Well, and and here's, here's what it means. It, we may be angry about sin, and guess what? Jesus got angry about sin. He got angry with those who, who were deceiving others, and we should be angry about that. But the point is, those who are victims of it, we are to called to have compassion. We are called to love them in a way to help them in their deception. So truth is the element in which we, listen, are to live, move, and have our being. But truth, according to God's Word, must be married to love. It's got to be married to love. When we're confronting sin, when we're trying to teach our children the right way, when when our grandchildren step out of line, as hard as that is sometimes, sometimes I'll I'll cave on that part. Uh, I feel like I raised my own kids, and, and I didn't withhold the belt. Listen, I believe in tough love, okay? But, but uh, yeah, now that the kid, grandkids are here, I don't like the discipline. I, I turn that over to Tina. And, uh, or I'll say something like, when I see your daddy, he will hear about this. That's all I got to say. I don't even have to do anything. Just threats, that's all I have. But anyway. <laughs> but it is one of those things. Next, the testimony of the rooted belongs to a local church. I believe in the local church. I really do. I hear people all the time say, you know, basically, I don't need the church. I, a bunch of hypocrites over there. Yeah, we, at times we do pull that off pretty well. Come join us. You're a hypocrite too and sometimes. But the point is we come together. The point is we need each other. And the first thing you see there grows within the church. Look at verse 15, the second part. May grow up in all things into him who is, Christ, who is the head, which is Christ You see, I I like what it says here. It says, how are we to grow up into all things? Into him who is Christ. You see, I'm called, just like you are called, to minister. You're called to do those things. But I'm never the supreme example. I'm going to let you down. You're going to let me down. So how are we growing into the likeness of Christ You're not growing into the likeness of a pastor. You're not growing into the likeness of someone you're sitting near. You may respect them. You may look at them and say, that's definitely something I respect and desire for myself. Boy, they challenge my life. You're like, you just would not believe. But we as individuals, we're going to let each other down. But who's he pointing to? He's pointing to Christ, who is the head of the local church. Spiritual growth does not always involve learning something new. How many of you know that? Spiritual growth is many times just acting on what you know to be true. Some of y'all, y'all know the word. You know it backwards, forwards, and then sideways. You, You know it probably as well as I know it. But it's not just knowing it. It's living it. It's literally becoming it. It's the core of who you are. Next, not only grows within the church, but connects with the church. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. That means everything is needed. Everything is needed. Some of you say, where do you get the idea of connection from? And we got to connect to one another. And Be honest with you, I'm sick of you saying it. Well, it's right here. It's right here. You can't say it any plainer than what it says. We're connected, joined and knit together. Here's what it literally means. When you look at the, what's being said here, it's an intentional placement and connectedness that implies intimacy. And guess what? It's in the present tense, which means it's a continual action. Now, let me, let me get personal here. How many of you have been, felt like you were connected to to the church and then there's been seasons in your life where you were disconnected with the church? How many of you have ever been there? Yeah, I've been there and I did that as a pastor. Imagine how hard that must be. Yeah, I've been there. I've had things in my life that threw me a curve and, and I felt disconnected and I isolated myself. But let me tell you something, that was the loneliest place to be that was one of the toughest times in my life when I was not connected to the body in such a way that God desired me to be connected. And it was a difficult time, a difficult season. I felt so alone. But God's called us to that inter- connectedness not only grows within the church connects within the church but also serves with the church look at verse 16 the second part according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love here's what that means it implies that every part is needed and every part is necessary I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, what most of the time when we say turn to 1 Corinthians chapters 12 or 13 or somewhere around there, we're thinking that we're talking about spiritual gifts or we're talking about love or whatever. But I want you to turn there. There's something, if you've never seen this, you need to see it. Verse 16 here in Ephesians 4 is, a, is the desire creation or masterpiece of the one who created the church. That's his desire. He wants us to not only grow in and of ourselves, but to multiply the growth through serving one another. Warren Wearsby summed up the passage by writing this Love is a, circular, a circulatory system of the body. Truth unites, but, but lies divide. Love unites, but selfishness divides. Through speaking the truth in love, let us equip one another and edify one another that all of us may grow up to be more like Christ and to fulfill calling calling has place on our lives. Now, what does it look like in Scripture? What does it look like when we say all parts are necessary? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Basically, what you have here is that we make up the body of Christ. A little while later, you're going to find out he's the head, just like we've already seen in Ephesians chapter 4. He's the head. Nothing happens apart of him from him. Now, now, let me just say this the pastor is not the head, the deacons are not the head, the person with great influence in the church is not the head. Christ is the head. So how do we know what the head is thinking? How do we know where it's going? Two ways, through his word and through how the Holy Spirit leads. That's the only way. And that's what we need to know. And so he says, but we're the body, verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free, and we've all been made to drink into one spirit. He's basically saying we're moving in the same way. We're made up of the same thing. When he says Jew or Greek, I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about racially divided. That was a big deal back then. And he's saying we're all together in this. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. It's basically saying, you know, can I, can I, can I see myself outside the body? No, you can't see yourself outside the body. The, the body is complete in and of itself. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I'm not of the body, it is therefore not of the body. If the, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if there were, if the whole were hearing, where would the smelling be? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Who put us together? God did. If you believe he brought you here and you don't like the place, who are you going to blame? Blame him. He put you here. Don't blame me. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, All right, all right. here we go. And if all were one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Those parts that seem to be insignificant, they're necessary. How many of you just love your, your little toe, your little toes? You love them? Yeah, some of you. Yeah, I love my little toes. That's good. I'm glad you like them. But the only time I know they're there is when I stump them. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? How many ever broke your little toe? Man, that's, that's, that's just, you know, it's there when you break it. I, and I have no idea where I'm headed with this, other than to say <laughs> that if it's in the body or on the body, Would you say there's significance? Yeah, it has a purpose. God has placed it there. Some of us feel like little toes. We're hanging on for everything we got. And the only time time sometimes we're noticed is when we get stomped. But y'all, we all have a part. There's all something necessary about all of us. He goes on, he says, and those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, On these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. It's one of those things where we see the significance of one another and we celebrate the, the idea that we are together, that we're not, in a, we're not divided. Can you imagine if your legs had a falling out with one another? you imagine what that would be like? I mean, trying to walk? I mean, some of you say, well, that's just silly. Well, it's silly when the church does it, when the church has a falling out. It's crazy when Christ is the head. And that's what we find. And he's saying, hey, I'll put you all together. I want you to be effectively working in the kingdom for the kingdom. What do I want you to do? I want you to edify. I want you to build it up. I want you to equip. I want you to supply what's needed. I'm going to put certain things in there, and I want the outcome to be something that's effectively working in a healthy way. Listen, I talked to many pastors and some of the young pastors that have gone out from among us are pastoring churches now. And and I'll be honest with you, we really do. When I, I they sit there and they tell me their issues they're dealing with, I'm sitting there saying, man, I feel so sorry for you. We're not dealing with that one. We're not de- I do. I, my heart goes out to them. I mean, they're learning things I never had to learn, to be honest with you, with some of the things they're dealing with. But you know something? They have a heart. You know what those young pastors' hearts are? that they become one body, that God can use them in an effective way to influence our community and reach the world. And you see, we don't have time to have divisions. We don't have time to get caught up in politics. We don't have time to get caught up in all these different things that the world's trying to divide us. We gotta stay focused we got to keep from being distracted to focus on what God's calling us to, to to reach out and to do and to become all that he desires us to be in a local church. So here's the application. Would you describe yourself as being rooted? Are you spiritually mature? I've already told you what it looks like. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 4. But are you spiritually mature? Maybe a greater question would be this. How are you investing in others to help them become rooted, and spiritually mature. How are you doing that? I, I want to close with this. You know, many years ago when I was a young pastor, I, I believe my primary role was to bring the Word of God to the body, and, and I still do. I think that's the primary way he's called me to do this. But, but I only thought it was in the large group setting. And, and the more I've been doing this, and the more I have been, God has used me in the, in the platform which he's given me, the more I'm finding out, that I feel the most fulfilled, not necessarily when I'm doing this in front of several hundred people, but in the smaller groups. I love to teach a smaller group, especially of young couples or young people. I had a chance to teach the college students a couple year, uh, about a year ago. And I'll tell you, that was some of the most satisfying time I had because it was like fresh. They were sitting there and they were eager. They were like a sponge. They were teachable. And I got interaction to know what was going on in their heart and their mind. And then, and then many, about eight years ago, God called me to, to do it on a one-on-one basis. And so I, call, I, I, I looked for a college student. I looked for a high school student. And I began to try to pour my life into that person one-on-one. And I tell you, it's not that I don't love this. I love this. But man, I have fallen in love with one-on-one discipleship, with one-on-one just meeting with someone and just sharing my heart. And some of these young pastors that's gone out from under, it's occasionally meeting with them. And listen, they teach me as much as I teach them. But here's what I'm saying in all that. Every one of us have a role when it comes to the body. And every one of us has the ability because the Bible says we, we've been equipped. Uh, we, we've been edified in such a way that we can do exactly what he's called us to do. The problem is a lot of us think we don't have anything to offer, but guess what? Even you little toes, you got a lot to offer. He says you do. You're in Christ. And so let's be this place, this PCC, Pleasant City Church. Let's be this church that, that presents truth, that loves truth, that helps people in their deception that becomes a place where people can come here and find the direction that they need in their life. And it's not coming from us, it's coming from his word. We're just obedient to that word. Let's be that. Father, we just again thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for just what you've taught us here. Lord, this, you know this is my favorite passage in all the Bible because I believe this is the mandate that you've placed on my life. But I also believe you've placed it on all our lives, that we come together as the body, that we come together and be interconnected and connected with one another in such a way that we promote spiritual maturity, that that we promote being teachable, that we promote that your truth is worth building our lives upon. Father, I thank you that there's many people in this room who for many, many years have built their life upon your word, and I know they don't regret it. I know it. I've talked to them. Father, help us to not be satisfied until we build our lives upon your word. Help us to become connected in your word. But, Father, also help us to become interconnected with one another. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to be dismissed, but let me tell you one thing real quick. Uh, This is, October is is the year, is the month that we nominate for deacons in our church, and that's a very important ministry in our church. And so if you're, if you're a member and you'd like to nominate someone in our church, the sheets are back there. Also, maybe some of you have questions about how our processes are and what are the qualifications of deacon. All that's back there on the eye desk. I encourage you to do that. But if God's laid someone on your heart, make sure you approach them about the possibility of being a deacon. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.